Welcome to the I Remember When podcast, a show where I, Sean, sit down with my dad, Glenn, as he recounts his life stories of the last 60 years. G'day and welcome back to another episode of I Remember When. I'm Sean. And I'm Glenn. Uh, so on last episode, we were talking about. Oh, we were on the farm up. We were on the farm up at yeah. Taree. Yes, we'd covered off all the silly covered, things. That, oh, not everything. We got, not everything. We, we, we covered we, off some stuff. But, uh, we were going to come back and talk a little bit more about it. Yes, um, we were. But um, before we kick into today's episode, I just want to cover something that happened on um, in the last week. Um, I had to go to a funeral. Um, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life. Um, a hell of a lot more funerals than I have weddings, even. But um, very rarely do you get to go to a funeral for a little girl. Um, friends of mine, their little daughter lost a fight against cancer and she died one week short of 10-year-old. The, it was a sad funeral, of course, and it was not like you, when you go to an older person's funeral where they say, let's uh, celebrate the life of this person. This one here, there was nothing to celebrate. They didn't live long enough to have a life to celebrate. My hat goes off to the parents. It was, it was a very difficult thing for them to do and they, they, they coped and got through it. There was a few people I'd like to mention that um, helped this girl through her life and one of them was a, name, a girl named Renee. The school that she went to employed her as an assistant to look after her everyday I, needs I didn't and, and help her through school for the last two years. And they got up to mischief. They, they, they just, they had a good time. They, they good. It's, they, she had a good time. Um, so, she lost a fight, starting about two weeks ago. Got, got really bad, and sent her to Sydney. And the team of the doctors down in Sydney just said, look, you know, we've never dealt with anything like this before. So, you know, we yeah, don't know what it? we're doing. We're flying blind, and and they end up lost the fight. So. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm going to cut this in here. Um, we had a lot more we wanted to say about uh, Tilly and her uh, disease and um, her family. Uh, but it was, it was quite difficult to, to talk about. Um, Dad had a lot more he wanted to say, uh, but it was quite difficult to um, to discuss that with it being so fresh. Um, the disease she had was... Uh, called DIPG, uh, stands for Diffuse Intrinsic Pontine Glioma. Uh, it's an aggressive type of childhood cancer that occurs in the brainstem. Uh, it's incredibly rare, uh, and uh, it, it doesn't have a great survival rate, unfortunately. In the case of Tilly, um, a couple of weeks before uh, she actually passed away, they discovered a secondary tumour behind her bladder um, which was a world first they um, had never seen anything like it before anyway I'm, I'm going to cut this in here just to talk about it uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes if people want to donate to fight dip G it again it is very rare and there's not a lot of research going into it because it is so rare um, so any anything helps if we can just you know, not have something like this happen to another family 
Um, so yeah, that link will be in the show notes. Uh, and when I cut back out, we'll begin with what we wanted to talk about today. Thanks. Sorry to start a sad way like that, but just wanted to mention that because it was a sad thing that we did this week. So, yeah, all right, well, let's let's get on with it. We'll get back to the farm up in Tari. Um, yeah, the last the episode farm. we um, covered off all of the horrendous oh. things that Harold did to you. Harold and Wayne. Yeah, Har- look, I'm... It, it's, I'm not complaining. I, I think it was a great thing. I bloody, I, there was nothing to be upset about. It was just that was a learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and growing up. and <laughs> I just and, can't believe some of the things that they did to you. Like, uh, far out. Um, look, yeah, just to cover a couple more, Harold said to me when, as during the day, he said, come on, we've got to go out and check the cattle and we might have to move them. I said, oh, all right. He said, jump on the back of the motorbike. So I walked over to get on the back of the motorbike and he's just dropped the clutch and let fly and the back wheel's in a wet cow shit. Oh, <laughs> yuck. And I stood there and he just covered me from head to toe in cow shit. And he said, come on, hurry up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you didn't notice the cow turd? You didn't think to look I'm, for cow... I'm looking to get on the motorbike. I wasn't... Oh, God. And, and also... You're aware of something's going to happen. Yeah, you don't yeah. think always look. on edge. <laughs> you don't think to look and see. Like I, I think I was probably expecting him to take off on me, but I didn't realise. <laughs> not not to cover you in shit. shit parking in cow shit. Far out. Um, and then, now I know people, a lot of people say it's illegal, it's dangerous, and everything else, but um, it it got us to get inside the big silo. Yeah. Mm. But the silo was almost empty. And okay. He wanted us to get in there and, and scrape all the sides down, get all the all the last of the grain yeah. out down to the bottom to the auger, and you couldn't get into the auger because it had a had a cage over, cover it, yeah. over it. But he wanted it all cleaned down. Well, the sides in there, it's forty five degrees. They're pretty steep. Yeah, and it's slippery as. Yes. <laughs> and he wanted us in there to clean it, so he he hassled the crap out of us the whole time. He come, come on, come on. And then when we were finished, he pulled the ladder out before we got out. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Harold, you ass. Um, Far out. Another time there, yeah, because it was my brother and I used to go there, and he was slightly bigger than me. It was always not a fight, but it was like competition to get a pair of gum boots. There was always gum boots around, but because we're small, I'd have to get either a woman's pair that would fit me. <laughs> yeah. Usually there wasn't any, or I'd have to wear a pair of men's that were that way were too big. big. Yeah. And I'd be slopping around wearing these bloody gumboots, but it was better than going in anything else and just covered in bloody shit and muddy water. Yes, and else. correct. So we these just boots. stuff them with newspaper. So I'm wandering around with these boots on, and the auger had broken on the silo, and Harold had a mate of his over there, and they were fixing it up. So typical farmers, they fix it themselves. Yeah, correct. That's what the yeah, job they requires. Do, yeah, yeah, they do it all themselves. So they've pulled this party up, and they're fixing it up. And this bloody guy that he's come to help him, he's a big boy. He was a huge boy. And he had the biggest shifting spanner I'd ever seen in my life. And, of course, I was giving him the cheek and giving him a hard time. And he's turned around with his shifter and he's slammed me down on the end of the boot. He's, he's oh, hit it as hard as he possibly fuck. could. And I've let out this almighty yelp and scream and carrying on. And he's going, what are you on about, you bloody sook? And he's carrying on, calling me sook and everything. So I took the boot off and he splattered my big toe. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! And, 
And he goes, oh, so your foot's bigger than I thought. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, sorry, no, nothing. Oh, no, oh no, shit, sorry. No, yeah, no, oh, hell, no. you got a big foot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh my god. And uh, another another day, because we had these herringbone style dairy. Yes. The waiting yard for the cattle is it was a round yard and it had a fence in it that pivoted in the middle, and had electric motor on a wheel so they could oh, drive it around and around. just push the cattle around yeah, to right. bring them in, and um, so. You'd have to get up and open the gate from that yard into the dairy, into the bales, and then um, operate the motor to, to bring him in. Oh, Harold's giving me the hard time. He's coming, let more cattle in, let more cattle in. I go, oh, for Christ's sake, we're down to the last of them in here. So I just opened the no. gate. <laughs> and uh, all the cattle come in and we got crowded. Yeah, <laughs> was, Jesus. Cows everywhere and they're playing up and going on. So Harold didn't bat an eyelid, didn't say a thing, nothing. He just come over, picked me up, took me out, threw me in the cattle drop. <laughs> <laughs> but it was middle of winter and it had about a half inch of ice on the top of it. So and it was frozen <laughs> over and he cracked his skull open. And I broke the ice and, I'm, <laughs> and I was in there. And of course, I had these oversized boots on. <laughs> and they were full of water. I was freezing. I was trying to get out of the damn thing. I couldn't get out. <laughs> There was just so many things like that. Now, it's still there today. On the edge of the road, on the uh, what used to be the Pacific Highway, there's a, a hole, water hole. And it's never, ever been out of water. It's always had water in it. And I don't know we've, what it's connected to. I think Harold didn't even know what it was connected to, but it would never, ever run out of water. The mysterious water hole. Yeah. And he says, it was, if you're getting hot, go for a swim, just go swim down the dam down there. And we're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was egging us on to swim in this dam. We went down to swimming there, and we're about to get in. He goes, but look out for the eels. And, mate, it was chockers full of eels. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never seen, I've never seen so many eels in my life. You throw a bit of bread in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's telling us to go for a swim. Go for a swim with the eels. Yeah, right. Oh, no worries. What? How do they get there? How do know. they survive there? Well, the water was always clean, so it had to have some sort of underground source. That's wild. <laughs> How weird. On the other side of that was I, I learnt to drive everything there. I learnt to drive motorbikes, tractors. Yes. I learnt to drive an eight-ton truck with a crash gearbox in it. It was an old Peter's ice cream tray back truck. Learned, oh, there you go. Yeah, learnt to drive that. Um, I just learnt to drive everything. Well, he sent me out one day to... Uh, rake up the grass rake the <laughs> yeah. so for anyone yes. that's not a familiar with this if they've ever seen a thing on the side of the road of a farm and it's like four great big spoke wheels like but no big, ring around bit, the outside no, it's just, just the spokes four big round wire spoke things like well that's that's the rake thing yes and hook the, it up, the hook it up behind the tractor, the tractor turns the rakes no it doesn't turn it it's, oh really it, they just freewheel but it's that the action and the angle that it sits it's, on it's that what it turns so when you I drive, always thought they were motorised. No, so when you drive, it's it's sort of like rolling on the ground. Yeah, right. And it's flicking the grass up and, and puts it into windrows. Yeah, yeah you correct. You put it in windrows, then you come along behind it and pick it up with the machine that bales it. Bales it, it into hay. Into hay bales. Because that's how you get hay bales. Yeah. So Harold said to me, take track, go down and rake the hay. Rake the, the thing. I said, yep, no worries. So I went down and I was down there for ages. 
and I raked and raked and raked. And I've come back to the bloody farmhouse and I'm all pleased with myself that I've raked all this stuff up. And he said, geez, you took your time. I said, no, nah, no, nah, it took a while, but I got it done. And he said, yeah, all right. And Wayne's come along. He's gone, where's the tractor? And I said, it's in the shed. I said, yeah. I said, I'll go down and fix up the grass. I said, what's the matter? And he turned to Harold and he said, you raked it into a pile. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Holy shit. You spent fucking hours I spent raking hours it up. hours and hours and hours and I raked all this grass into one huge big, big pile. pile. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a windrow to turn to hay. So, so Wayne had to go down there and spread it all out and rake it back into the windrows. <laughs> into the That's what you get, Harold, for being a fucking yeah. ass. Another day, you see me, right? Go ahead, hook up the slasher and go down and slash that paddock. Oh, right, okay. So I've gone and I hooked up the slasher, got it already. Yeah, no, I'm still only a kid now. Yeah, but you're I'm, not very I'm, old. I'm, like, yeah, you're I'm still, still sub 15. Yeah, yeah, I was still, oh, I'm only but 13, 12, 13, something. So I've hooked the bloody slasher up and I've taken off and I'm down there and I'm mowing this paddock. And next thing you know, I don't know where, how, where, or whatever. Is this almighty crash, bang, smack. And I go, shit. And I've, I've stopped straight away and I've jumped out and had a look. And I'm, oh, crap. I ripped the side off the slasher. The skid, the slide. Holy ripped, shit. Ripped it off. And I go, what the fuck's going on here? And I, there was some row, some um, fence posts laying in the oh, grass. Oh, you didn't see him. And I didn't see him. Fuck. And it just, but he grabbed the skid and just tore it off. And I've gone back and I've like, got my tar between my legs and going, oh, I'm in trouble here, I'm in trouble here. And he gets back and Harold wasn't there. And Wayne said, what have you done? And I said, broke his sl- slash. And he goes, you mean the shit? He said, that's brand new. You're the first one to use it. And I said, no. Oh. And he goes, oh. so he said, come on. And we went and got it. And we got a sledgehammer out and we got a welder <laughs> out. And shape. we built it all back together and welded it all up. And he goes, you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> This brand He's new. not going to notice all the weld marks. Don't yeah, stress. Yeah, but it's a brand new orange buddy slasher and it's got weld buddy cuts in it. It's gone and ground it back and welds it together. Mm. Not going to notice at no, all. No. I never had much luck with slashes. When, when I was in Perth, I went down and I was slashing a paddock down in Perth and I come back and seen the guy that I was working for. I said, mate, I don't know what's going on, but it's just not cutting anymore. And he said, lift the slasher up, lift the slasher up, and the blade was gone. <laughs> It sheared the bloody drive shaft off and lost the whole And bike. lost the... Fuck! So we spent hours out bloody wandering around in the paddock trying to find it. It was buried. Yeah, because it would have come off at speed. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder it didn't fucking take off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that's dangerous. Yeah, uh, I don't have a lot of luck with slashes. <laughs> well, no, and I mean... Um, I don't. Yeah, you don't have a lot of luck when it comes to grass cutting stuff. So I'll never yeah. forget when you put that fucking saw blade... On the whippersnipper. Yeah, but it worked. It, it worked, but it wasn't right. It was dangerous. It, <laughs> it was incredibly dangerous. <laughs> Cut anything. <laughs> yeah. Grass, timber, bricks. I've got to say, someone taught me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who taught you to do um, that? No names. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You and cutting and, grass. Holy no, crap. Whenever we used to go out on the tractor with Harold... Ray and I would both go and we'd both stand on the plates, the side of the seat, yeah. and lean against the mudguard over the wheels, and we'd, we'd go with Harold and 
trafficking, highly illegal now. You can't do it. Yes. But um, yes. To, to be like fair, that. shouldn't have done it back yeah. then either. Yeah. But but <laughs> we did it. So we were out one day, and and Harold said, "Right, I'm going to give you a go at plowing." We were doing just just, <laughs> just plowing this paddock. Yep. I mean, um, yeah. If you've never driven a tractor and operated a plow on a tractor, it's something you have got no idea. <laughs> it's is it um, a tow along plow? Yep. It's a, yeah. It's just a disc plow that you drag along behind you. Yep. So Harold's got it all set up for him. He said, okay, so let's go, start plowing. So away we went, we're going along, and he's he's laughing, he's swearing, he's cursing, he's giving me hell and everything else. I go, what's the matter? And he said, don't you know what a straight line looks like? <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I said, the f- I'm keeping the tractor right where you said. It's right there like that. I'm going like that. He said, have a look behind you. <laughs> have a look behind me, and there was fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> The front of the tractor will stay. There's the back, the back going is swinging around. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you? So is it a matter of speed or is it a matter of on those tractors you have two brakes? You have a left brake and a right brake. Yeah. So it's a matter of operating those two brakes. Yeah. And you break the wheels at the back. I was just steering. Uh, I was trying to keep the tractor straight and turn the steering wheel. Uh, 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 so yeah, the wheels are staying straight, it. but the ass of the tractor's kicking yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hard to tell that it's doing it too because yeah. you're dragging that plough through the dirt. So he had to go back and do the last two rows all over again. <laughs> Far out. Um, yeah, and uh, the guy never ever got upset with us about any of that. Never. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's that's that is a, a redeeming quality of him in my eyes. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's one thing to let you guys go and do this stuff and experience yep. it and and not have a clue what you're doing and let you fuck it up. Yep. And then be okay with and it. That's, a lot that was, of other people that was, would that was be the thing. The opposite. He looked at it that we were learning, and you don't learn unless you fuck it up. Correct. That's right. Um. So he was. He didn't give us to do it, thinking that we wouldn't fuck it up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he fully he fully knew that it was a, it was a case of that was what was going to happen. Yeah, when when it comes to milking cows, it's as as dirty a job as it is and everything else. It's still got to be hygienic. It's still got to be clean. Yeah, of course. So you know things like washing the cows, teach properly, and and doing everything properly. It's it's a bit of a skill. And yeah, absolutely. You got to learn how to do it, and but he he was still. Telling us go and do the thing, knowing we weren't doing it right, and he come along and say, well, "Do this, do that," and just correcting us That's and right. everything else. But he knew what we were up to. Yeah, and I, I still to this day can't milk a cow properly. <laughs> well, no, no, nobody can. I don't think it's that's fine. Oh, it's an art form unto yeah. itself. You watch, you watch, like Harold. I don't know how many times he got me, but he's squirting me in the face. <laughs> it was forever. You come along to have a look at something. He'd say, "Come and have a look. It's got a tick." I'll show you what to do. A tick. You come over. <laughs> Where's the tick? And there isn't any. There isn't any. Um, but I got you, you dickhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. He, he took us to the cattle sales, so we yeah. went and we learned all about the cattle sales. Yep. So when we get there, he goes right. This is the cattle sales. And this is where the sale. Blah, blah, blah. And then he took off. <laughs> he left us here. Uh, Harold. <laughs> um, what do we do? He even went home without us. <laughs> he left you at the fucking cattle zone. He forgot all about us. Went he forgot about you. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> um, so we spent the day wandering around these cattle farm, cattle sales, had not no realizing idea what we were doing, <laughs> not realizing that you'd also been left behind. <laughs> um, 
He, he was also very interested in in our sex lives. He was forever, right. forever interested in our sex lives. Despite you being <laughs> less than 15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he tried to line me up with his cousin. But he's, she's, oh, well. she's real, she, was, she was younger than me. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. And he's going, yeah, yeah, she's a real girl. You know, you're good. And he was forever giving us, telling us to do that. And he would, he would pretty much lock us in a room <laughs> together. He'd do all sorts of shit. Jesus Christ. And then he'd come like, so how'd you go, how'd you go? Oh, come on, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he'd say, carry on. Well, one day he said, look, a sure way, he said a dead set sure way to get into her pants, she hates frogs. Oh, yeah, he said, grab a frog and drop it down her pants. <laughs> I go, what? Uh, just grab one of the green frogs and drop it down her pants. So I did. You I grabbed did, this, of course. I've grabbed did. this green frog and I've dropped it down her pants. And, mate, she screamed and screamed and screamed. <laughs> and I got in this shit off K because I Yeah, no it. kidding. And Harold's going, so did you get into her pants? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, rightfully so. <laughs> you got in this shit because you did it. He said, Just because oh, he encouraged I, it. I thought, sure, she would drop her pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What on earth is going on? Um, Christ. Harold, Harold always liked to brag. He, he, was, he was the biggest brag and bullshit artist under the sun. Yep. That he... Everything he did, he was the best at. Of course. Yep, yep, yep. So he was bragging to us how the fish are running, and he's the best fisherman oh, in town. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having anything past 8 o'clock on, on dairy farm, 8 o'clock at night, is a late night because you're up so early. Yeah, up so early the next day, yep. So he's decided we're going fishing. So we've gone up to the buddy, his, his favourite fishing spot. There's a bridge over the river up there. It's a big arch bridge at Cundletown. We goes up there, and we're fishing off the top of this bridge. I said, if you catch a fucking fish, by the time you pull it all the way up from the water, it'll fall off. <laughs> oh, no, I've caught heaps of fish this way. And we are there, and he wouldn't go home because he hadn't, he caught, hadn't a fish. caught a fish. <laughs> and it was like after midnight before we goes home. <laughs> Mind you, you got to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning to start <laughs> and work. And he's, he's going, no, no, I'm the best fisherman in the world. And he's praying oh, yeah. about it. Clearly, mate, clearly. <laughs> he wasn't going home until we caught this fish. But man, we didn't get a fish. Yeah, he didn't get a fish? <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god fishing he was clever but yeah, not quite a scholar <laughs> <laughs> he's not the best fisherman on the planet that award goes to Rex Hunt yeah <laughs> so wow so yeah we um, we, we I don't know exactly in time how long we spent up at the farm but by the ship we, we learned a lot that yeah that's right we Like it, it would have so been much. and it was life life expect or life Lessons and practical lessons yeah. and um, improvisation lessons. You know, we learned we learned a lot up there, and it's something that I. It's not possible, I suppose, but it's something that kids should all experience because it's it's definitely an eye opener to know how the rest live. That's right. I think I think and then I think you're right. It's not something that everybody can experience because unless you have relatives in that industry or doing that sort of thing. You don't get those opportunities. Yep. Like yep. I never had those opportunities because no. nobody we knew had. Nobody we knew had a farm. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, yeah, but the other side of that part too would be also that the person that 
owns a farm. It's got to be like Harold. That's too. right. Exactly it's, right. You've got, yeah. to, you've got to have the personality. It would too. be very different you, to. You could um, go to somewhere. They just flat out. Oh, you're stuffed up, and they they went. They get the shit correct. with you and stuff like that. And then it's not quite the same lesson. Then it's you. Um, you really did have just like the the Goldilocks yeah. situation where yep. everything lined yep. up that yeah. you could have those experiences. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. We covered me, buddy. Other work that I did, I don't think we covered a little bit, but we didn't cover it all. So we've covered off your time in insulation industries, in working industry, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. In that time, I um, covered a lot of stuff. I don't know, but he so is working in industry, especially, um, and you know, becoming self sufficient financially at a very young yeah, age. Yeah, you were fourteen or something. Fourteen, right? 14 I was, I was fully, self-sufficient. fully self sufficient. Um, learning stuff up there in the, on the farm. Yeah. And this is this is the bit that I have, since starting doing this, have struggled to sort of put together. We're only like two years away from you joining the army and leaving home and like going to the army apprentice school. But you've already covered off like yeah. so yeah. much stuff yeah. in like from 10 year old that that. Six that, year that period. Six year period. I, I did a lot of stuff in six years. Yeah, like. But I've done a shitload more since too. Uh, correct. Since, correct. Um, it's it's just in in that age bracket. Um, well, you all, I, you almost lived a lifetime in that six yeah, years, yeah. like doing things with friends and at the farm and working and yep. and whatever else. And then we're going to go into a whole nother lifetime lived. Well, the, the um, 12 years in the army was uh, something that most of my friends are actually jealous of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most of my friends are, uh, were jealous of the things I did in that 12 years um, because they never ever got that opportunity to do some of the things we did. No. But I mean, in saying that, you also you know missed out on a lot of things that they were doing. Well, but... yeah. So, all right. So, we're getting, we're getting to that crossover point where we go from school to joining the army. Um, so reason I joined the army, we, we covered that a bit. That I I had a, a difficult time at school towards, well, for most of the time I was at high school. One, I didn't like school. I didn't like the, the some of the people at school. The, yep. the ones that I did like, sort of not betrayed, but went to the other side. Yeah, they um, they followed the yeah, people the, who you yeah, didn't yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd seen <clears throat> I'd been seeing the um, careers advertising stuff. For the army apprentice school and i had a, i definitely was interested in being a carpenter i wanted to be a carpenter full stop <clears throat> and by this stage um i'd made up my mind what i wanted to do with my life i wanted to be an apprentice carpenter i wanted to be a carpenter i wanted to be a builder so it was in my head already that that's what i want to do and this was a perfect opportunity to do it yep the advertising was Really good. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. The advertising for the army is still very good. <laughs> yeah, don't be sucked in by all those things you oh, see on the fuck TV. No. <laughs> fuck no. It's it's um it's it's uh, something that you have to actually experience before you realise what's going on. Um, you see some of these people on the ads that are doing all those jobs. Yeah. Nope, they do one or the other, none of my, the others. My favorite, my favorite <laughs> example is still the the guy who, and it's an American story, not an Australian story, but went to a like defense force recruitment thing, and said he wanted to fly, or he wanted to be, yeah, he wanted to fly jets, but he specifically wanted to be in the Marines. Hmm. The Marines don't have pilots. No. 
they do have ejection seat technicians. Yes. And the recruiter turned around and said, we will have you in the seat of a fighter in no time. (laughs) And they stitched him up and they made him an ejection seat technician and nothing else. Like... You do one job and one job. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's no different to the Australian Army from what I've been told. Like, we have a a lot of family connections still within the Defence Force. Yeah, we do. We got... my Sandra, cousin, your Sandra, nephew, Sandra, Sandra went niece, to Townsville last week and um, ran into one. So I'd had enough of school by year two, uh, so I applied as soon as I possibly could in year three for Army Apprentice School, and I got accepted. I'd been to Sydney for three or four trips, many for medicals and interviews and everything else, went for all the procedure and was selected. Had my letter, had my movement orders, I had everything. Already, <laughs> you were you were fully committed to the yeah, bit. I'm off. I'm going. I was even. I had my bag packed. I was going. <laughs> yeah, right. And then about a week before I had to go, I got a letter from saying, uh, "You're too young yet." <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what was what was the requirements? Because you you were you were obviously too young. So what were the requirements for you to get to that? They preferred you finish year, year ten. Ten. Yeah. Four form in high school. They preferred you finish year that. ten. If my age was, if I had been two years, two months older, you would have been fine. I, they probably would have taken me. They said, but yeah, right. Because I was, um, I was my birthday was October. They didn't take me. Yeah, if it had been like July or yeah, if it had it been July been or something like that, that meant it put me in a different category, and I would have been accepted. Yeah. Um, because the first thing I did, uh, one of the first things you do when you get to the Army Apprentice School is complete your Year Twelve. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, okay. So if you haven't got year twelve when you join the army apprentice school, that's the first thing. They that was to the do. first thing you. That was one of the first things you did. Now, you, you completed your you education. Say you say you you say you complete your year twelve, like your higher school certificate. What did that entail? Was that just math, science, English, or right. was it a full? Well, so to start with, it's <clears throat> the the army apprentice school when it was in existence was run by the Victorian Department of Education and it was supervised by the Army. Yep. Um, which is not exactly what it was all about. It was pretty much an Army thing that looked after us. Yeah. So it was the Army barracks, everything. Education was really from 8 o'clock in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. Yeah, and then everything was else was... And the Victorian Department of Education looked after that. Yeah. So the requirement was to have Year 11 in Victoria which yep. is year 12 in New South Wales, which yep. I think is year 11 in Queensland. It was different in every state. But it in still the is, end, and it's one thing I really hate about our federal yep. government and our state government system is that education is not standardised. No, it's, it's different everywhere. <clears throat> so the, the requirement, because it was the Victorian Department of Education, yep. was that everyone had to have year 11. Yep. So we did year 11, and we covered maths, English, science, and social studies really yeah social studies but it was only the four subjects but that still gave me the qualifications for year 12 yep um so yeah um, so it wasn't well, like i don't have a new south wales education and... department certificate i've got an army certificate that yep. says i completed it yep so no um, fair enough it's ex- it's still acceptable um so it, we we because of the education system in Victoria, I didn't fit. I was too young. 
If I had it been, ah, if I had it been a bit. So because it was based off the Victorian education system, yeah. you were outside of the scope because yeah. you were from New South Wales. Yeah. See, that's shit. Yeah. No, that well, is so uh, shit. Well, it's, it it turned out for the best. Anyway. It did. I would have like, been too young when I joined the army apprentice school. I mean, that would have put you in a whole different intake. That would have put yeah. you in. Yeah, with the a guys that I would have been like, with were would have been a lot older than you. But, 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 you know, they were twelve to eighteen months older. Yeah. Than me, so. Um, when I did go, and I was automatically accepted for the following year, so it, it wasn't. Yeah, there was no question about it, it. Still went through all the bullshit, but um, yeah, you know, things like what we're supposed to be doing our psych evaluation down in Sydney in Castle Ray Street, which is a big tall building that's over twenty two stories high, but we were on the twenty second floor. Nice. We, we just went up and down the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> that was your psych eval. He gets incredible enjoyment out of riding the elevator. Um, and they come looking for me to piss in a cup. They're trying to find me to piss in a cup. I'm up and down in the elevator. And they said, we need you to piss in a cup. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't <laughs> Don't piss. Don't worry. <laughs> my bladder is physically yeah, is couldn't piss thoroughly shaken. It was shaking up and there we go. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Uh, so we, I got accepted for the following year. And, and come the following year, we had Cyclone Tracy. Yes. That That happened. It, um, and where, that was in Darwin? Yeah, in Darwin. Yeah. So Cyclone Tracy hit uh, on the Christmas night, I think, or whatever it was. I can't remember now. But, yeah. So Cyclone Tracy hit up there. Army was deployed left, right and centre up there. Mm-hmm. There was just a whole lot of things was happening at that time. And mum and dad decided they'd have a farewell party for me at home. So the place we lived in, like we discussed, is a steep hill and underneath the house was... Thing you boxed in. Yeah, so we had this we had this bloody farewell party in there, and my mate Vince, he's there, and his father came down. Him, his mother and father came. Down. Actually, everybody in the neighbourhood came. There was yes. people everywhere, and it was raining, and my old man got pissed, and so did Vince's old man got pissed, and they dragged out these two old doors, <laughs> and they were sliding down the hill <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the rain. Pretending they were surfing. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. They were written off. They were, they were really bad. And I didn't drink then, so I just couldn't help laughing. And buddy, all the people there, come the end of the night, <clears throat> there was only, only a few of us left there. Most of the people had gone home, passed out, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And the lady next door that we used to perv on, Uh-oh. she was there. And then down the back across the creek, a lady from down there was there. Uh-oh. <laughs> and um, they stayed, and Vince and I stayed. Uh-oh. <laughs> and we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing happened. <laughs> yep, good, as it should have been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. We had a we had a New Year's Eve party there one time, and the lady next door, her and her husband disappeared at midnight. And they came back a bit later on, and she's gone. Oh, we've had our first for the night. <laughs> and our first for the year. Our first for the year. Good on them. Well done. Out in the front yard. Oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. Same same couple. They went to visit mum and dad in Perth when they were over there, and Joyce had come in and she's bragging. We had one on the middle of the road and buddy on the way across oh, the ball plane. <laughs> yeah, right. No worries, yeah. love. Good work. Christ. 
she used to, she used to brag about um, how she got a driver's license. She, seven times she sat for a driver's test and couldn't get a driver's license, so she decided, bugger it, I'll wear the briefest pair of underpants and the shortest skirt I got, and I hitched up and I'll get me license. And she did. She certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Mm. People she like that no shouldn't be on our roads. Yeah, no shame. Oh, she was unreal. She had a little mini miner and she'd come screaming down our street and you'd hear it. <laughs> that was her coming down the hill turning while still going too fast <laughs> into the driveway going down this really this steep driveway, driveway and at the bottom of the driveway doing a left hand turn to park under the house holy <laughs> fuck oh my god the brakes had a fire she didn't up in the creek <laughs> she was amazing it astounds me that that sort of stuff could happen like yeah. three times I went over there to help Brian change the gearbox in the mini miner. <laughs> she fucking... I was, becoming, oh, I was becoming an expert at bloody changing <laughs> gearboxes in mini miners. Which is good, because didn't you have one later on? No, I had a Mori miner. You had a Mori miner, right, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. It astounds me that like people could get their license that way. Well, I went for my driver's license. I went AWOL to do it. Um, okay. Yeah. And... I borrowed uh, my cousin's boyfriend's car. It was a uh, BH station wagon, Holden station wagon. Wow, cool. And he said to me, now, if he makes you do a hill start, the handbrake on these things doesn't work. It's it's a thing with these cars. It's not a problem with the brake. It's a thing with these cars. I'm going, oh, right. Yeah. And it was automatic. <clears throat> so we'd parked on this bloody hill. And he said, right, put it in the park. And I put it in the park. And he said, put the handbrake on. And, put the hand-brake. and he said, take it off the brake. He said, all right, now let's go again. And I couldn't get the buddy car out of park because it was yeah, locked in the park. Yeah, locked in the park, yep. And um, I said, we shouldn't have done that. And he said, why? I said, because well, the handbrake doesn't work in reverse on these cars. And he said, oh, that's a mechanical error of the car. That's a, that's the car's on road with yeah, I said, no, no, no. I said, that's the owner mm. of the car assured me that that's a thing with these cars. The handbrake doesn't work in reverse. And he gone, hmm. And I had to reef it out of park yep, to get out to of park and so we could get going again. And when we got back, he's, he was going to fail me. And he's, he said, I'm going to have to fail you because you failed the buddy hill start. I said, no, I didn't. I said, I told you what. And I argued with him. And Good. he, oh, all right, then we can have the license. <laughs> <laughs> and here I was, got rejected on my first attempt for my license because I crossed an imaginary line that didn't exist yet. Oh, my God. Because no, no, no. I, I argued with him that he didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, all right, you can have your license then. <laughs> to be fair, I also then went and got my license because my driving instructor went and told the examiner that if I failed again, you were going to kill me. Oh, <laughs> I wonder how often Murray did that. Murray taught so many kids in Edgeworth. I wonder how many times he did that. <laughs> well, I remember because after I failed the first one because I crossed this line that wasn't a line yet, um, you know the roundabout at the top of well it's not a roundabout it's a traffic lights now it used to be the roundabout where the BP is on Newcastle Road going into town yep when that was still a roundabout yeah. um, I went through and was told to change lanes because we were turning right so I did and I crossed over the dotted line so it was normal 
that afternoon they were doing roadworks and changed the dotted line into a solid a full line. Full solid line. And I got do- I got docked because <laughs> I crossed a solid line that wasn't there. That wasn't there yet. But because the paperwork had been filled in and the work was being done and, that afternoon, and, and he knew it. He knew it. Mm. He he done me for it. Jesus, that's so, a bit stiff. Uh, Murray <laughs> come and had a go at him. Yeah. Like, you can't fail him on that. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a thing yet. Yeah. No, no. It is what it is. We've had to fail him. So, oh, Jesus. That's when I come back home and fucking absolutely filthy. And then and the next time I win, I mate, if you fail this kid again, his dad's going to kill him and you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a bad habit of buddy threatening to kill people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't even have to threaten this guy. Like, Murray just told him. No, that was, yeah. And then mum gets her licence by driving up and down the street in Dungog and the, yeah, co- the cop yeah. just goes, yeah, no worries. Right, right, yeah. You know how to turn the key on and turn it yeah, off. Yeah, that's right. You can up. drive in a straight yeah. line. Sweet. I, I don't think Mikola even did that. Mikola didn't even go there. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mc- Gary, her father, but he went and seen... Uncle co- Gary went and seen the cop yeah. and got it sorted. Yeah. Fuck me. If that's done. the case, we have that's a lot of issues. Done. That's a lot of issues on New South Wales roads. <laughs> <laughs> Far mm, out. No, I mean, there's, that's another subject altogether. It's it's. Um, to be fair, Dungog is a, a proper country town. No, no, town, no, no. Like. It's, attitude, it's attitudes of people is changing. It's not not driving ability. It's attitude of people. Um, look, my old man. I don't think he ever drove sober, but he's ne- he, when he died, he'd never had so much as a parking, a parking ticket. ticket. It'd never been done for anything. Um, but is was... that a case of changing attitudes, or is that a case of things now are changing but for the better? Arguably, but he he arguably he knew what he was doing while he was drinking and driving. He he may not have been. Um, I suppose it depends on how. Like he didn't, he didn't go and do a bloody great big burnout down the road because he was drunk. No, he was, today he knew do. he was drunk, so he took it extra care. That's right. Nowadays they go and get a couple of piss, and they want a buddy do a thousand miles an hour down the road and do burnouts. Correct. And it's so yes, that's it is the a case of changing attitudes. It's, no, it's attitudes. not changing attitudes of people patrolling the law. It's the mm. changing attitudes yeah. of the people breaking the law. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, the, the cars that he drove back then they weren't. They weren't powerful enough to no, do 100 right. kilometres now. Exactly right. Now, cars, now, well, they were heavy yeah. enough to roll yeah. somebody over. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so nowadays the, the cars are a lot more powerful and everything else. And uh, the and look, call it what you like. I I think the kids of today are just a lot more daring. And don't go blaming the kids of today for it. The kids are a product of their parents. So, what correct? Kids, what kids do today is only because their parents have either let them or shown them or taught them how to I, do it. And I got a big theory of. If if I say to you, oh, when I was your age, I was doing such and such and such and such, kids can go, oh, well, i got to do better than the old it's man. It's one-upmanship. It's one-upmanship. So they go yeah. and try and do something even better. That's right. And and you're probably onto something there. I am. I am. I've, I've watched this for a long, long, long time. It, it you know what seems... started this? Funniest home videos. Yes. People were laughing stupid all the time about a little kid that's buddy two foot high on a motorbike and running into a fence because he can't handle a motorbike. And everyone's laughing about it. The kid's been put on the bike. He's got no choice. The father's gone, when I was your age, I wanted a motorbike and my mother and father couldn't afford one. Well, I can now, so you're having a motorbike and you're going to learn how to ride it. And to be fair, the kid I still it. find that fucking hilarious. I don't. It, it's... It, <laughs> 
the kid could get seriously hurt because the parents yep. are fucking idiots. Oh, because the parents are fucking idiots. But kids yeah, getting hurt is because, fucking hilarious. Because, oh, look, I can see the funny side <laughs> and kids getting hurt all the time. <laughs> Mostly because I've been there, done that. Have I got an Instagram channel for you? <laughs> I've, I've been there, done that. <laughs> um, the, the, I, I think it's a case of parents are going, well, when I was younger, I wanted this and I couldn't have it. I can afford to do it now, so you're going to have it. I, I I think that is one side of it. I think it's something slightly different. It's not a case of my parents couldn't afford a motorbike, you're getting a motorbike. It's a case of I had a motorbike when I was a kid, I did these things. And then the kid grows up and goes, well, I had a, I've got a fucking motorbike and I've got to do better than that because that's... Yeah. i got to prove that I'm just like my dad. Yeah. Well, look, look at the kids that are screaming around the streets now on motorbikes. You can't tell me some of those kids have got a big enough pocket money and they can afford to put petrol in that all the time. No, that's so right. So where's the fuel coming from? Correct. Because some of these kids are on it from sun up till sundown and later cars. and tear us and around on these motorbikes everywhere they go. Well, they they do get good mileage, but they're, they're still got to have fuel in them some That's right. Yeah, they've got to fill them up somewhere. Somebody's given them the money to put the fuel in Correct. the car. Anything, so. Correct. Yeah, it's a case of um, don't, don't get pissed off with kids. Get pissed off with their parents because they're a product of their parents. No, that's fair. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. But, and so then eventually we did. We joined the army. We went down there. So our first day uh, was to report down to Castle Race Street in Sydney. And we got our final indoctrination. We, we did our oath. We had to swear in the Bible and all that sort of shit. Really? Yeah, we did all that you shit. You had to do, you had to, really? We went through in small groups into a room and yep. in small groups we, we held a Bible and um, swore allegiance to... And you didn't catch fire? No. Yeah. Oh, look, I've been to a lot of churches and nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> been very nervous. There's <laughs> <laughs> always that first step that's a concern. Yeah, very nervous. Oh, I don't, I don't believe in any sort of religion, but I do like churches. I think the church construction is, is brilliant. That's right. Yes, you're right. You're so, right. So I go to churches and all I do is sit there and stare at all the ceiling and all the way. Forget what you're there for. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't correct. know what I'm there for. But, um, yeah, we did all that stuff and then um, we sat around and learnt how to be soldiers. You hurry so, up and wait. What, what year was this? That was on the 9th of January, 1975. 75. I suppose, yeah, the... State of the nation was still very church orientated, I guess, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's definitely so not these days. It, but well, it's it's like it's almost a secret society type of thing now. That if you're religious, you don't tell anybody. Yeah, um, I mean, even the there scouting are people that are still has, very very religious. But, oh, absolutely, um, the scouting movements even removed it from a, from their yeah, their. Be, be, this is this is to do with multiculturalism because it's it was becoming too hard to to deal with individual religions with so many different religions involved in things nowadays and uh, it's 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 just too difficult to deal with so they just do away yeah, with it all together yeah, yeah same they got rid of um the section of the promise about the queen yeah it's not even the yeah. king now no we're evolving and changing and we are. I, I don't have an opinion right i don't know whether it's a good thing bad thing or i don't really care whether it's a good thing or bad thing it's it's happening and we can't it's stop happening it. and it's other people are going to drive that not me so and just go with the flow. And you just, you do that. There's some things that they don't worry you enough to worry about it. So you just let it go with the flow and accept yeah. the way they are. But there's other things that do. Like, for instance, this vote. No, the, the, the referendum. for thing. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not for it. But I'm not going to, I can't vote 
I can't consciously vote yes for it because I don't know what it is. So I haven't got a clue what they're doing. I think that's a big a <clears> problem <throat> that a lot of people are facing. Yeah, and it's, it, I've listened to so much stuff. I've read so much stuff trying to find it and and there is no answers. Nobody's given any answers. It's always a cop outline. It's always political statements. There's, there's no correct no answers in it. It's just cop out stuff. Even to the point where buddy elbows turned around and said, we'll sort the details out later. Yeah, that was... Um, hang on, no, later. we're changing our constitution. <laughs> we I need to know the details beforehand. Here's, here's, the, here's the issue, is we're changing the constitution. That's right. And the, you can't just change the constitution just on a whim. No. This is it's too important a thing to do. My logic is that, um, for instance, the in the building industry, because that's what I know, the government makes decisions in, uh, involving the building industry and they take into consideration rules, laws, information gathered from the Housing Industry Association and the Master Builders yep. Association. They gather information from a lot of other places to come up with their answers. Yeah. So we didn't have a referendum and decide that the Housing Industry Association had to be accepted by our constitution so we could make those decisions. That's right. And as far as I can gather, we're making the Aboriginals voice in parliament so that we can make better decisions for them or we don't need to do that all we need to do is ask them and do what they say correct my, my understanding of it is it. that it's 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 already a thing that happens like there's already a body of indigenous people who who make a, suggestions to the count or to the government the whole purpose of this is to ratify it so it is a necessity not a can't think of the other mm. word, but it's 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 a thing that has to exist, not a thing that can exist and, and yeah, can yeah. be We're, on and off whenever yeah. this is just going to say that this is I, a thing. Full stop. Yeah, I just I don't don't understand what they're trying to achieve. No, and I don't think the going closest to... one I heard was it's a treaty by another name, which was a, an argument for but, the no campaign. But, 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 but... Tr- the, the constitution is not a place for a treaty. For a treaty, it's the constitution is it's. A code of conduct, nearly, and I don't think we need to. Inc- uh, we we keep saying one nation. If if we're going to put them in as a separate item, there goes one nation. We're That's not right. one. We're not one. We're not one, one people, people anymore. We're we're separating. That's, in in order think, to yeah. become one nation, we're separating. I don't think we need to do it. I think we just need to look at it in a different way. But anyhow, that's that's a little bit... Yeah, there, you're getting quite political yeah, there now. Right, and, yeah, we're, we're... Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so Back to... Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I, in, um, I diverted it. It was 75 in, that you joined. In our, our first indoctrination into the army, hurry up and wait, Yes, <clears throat> we had to sit in this room. And while we were there, there was uh, a couple of permanent soldiers came through. And we would, uh, we could ask them any questions we liked you know, about what to expect, what was going on. So, of course, we were, we were asking them questions about what to expect, what's going on, and they told us some stuff. And I brought up about what sort of trade work can I expect to do? And they all turned around and said, oh, you've got the wrong end of the stick here. You will be a field engineer. You will not be a carpenter. And I go, what do you mean? Hold up. Yeah, <laughs> hey, wait up. What are you on about? And they said, yeah, oh, no, you'll go and do your apprenticeship, but you'll become a field engineer um, and not a carpenter. And I go, no, 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 that's not what I'm signed on the line for. I'm yeah. signed on the line to be a builder. Ah, you know? uh, yeah, you, um, you copped the, yeah, the, uh, so from the ejector seat from, technician from gig. day one, I've got this bloody bum steer straight up. So I went and seen this sergeant was there. And I said, listen, I, these guys are in here talking to, they've just told me that 
I'll be a field engineer, not a carpenter. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you'll be a carpenter, but you'll be in field engineers. And I go, yeah, but mm, what? What? I'm, I want to be a carpenter. And he explained it away at the time. And uh, all right, okay. Right, so I accepted that for the time being. So then uh, at midday, they lined us all up and um, put us on these Pioneer buses. Yep. And off we went and drove to um, the Army Apprentice School at Balcom, a suburb of its own, with its own post office, which is the Army Barracks at Mornington in Victoria. Mount Martha is the closest suburb. Um, right on the Nepean Highway. And the place is built back in the 1940s as temporary accommodation for the American Marines after World War Two, where they would recuperate before they returned to America. So After they slept at the MCG. Yeah. So Yeah, there you go. So they were tin huts. Why Victoria? <clears throat> I don't know. They were tin built tin huts, corrugated iron huts. Mm-hmm. There was um, a few different sorts. There was some that had um, just individual rooms and there was a lot that were just big empty halls. I ended up at A Company and A Company was all empty halls, so part of your issue for there would be two steel lockers and those two steel lockers would become your dividing, p- dividing wall. wall on your side. And we had 12 in a room. There was a common hallway down the centre of it and there was no front wall. There was just the walls yep. on the side which were your lockers. So, yep. we, Typically um, what you would see in like a, a movie. Yeah. You know, like so the, the, the accommodation was very much still the same as what it was in the 1940s. Yeah. Just tin sheds. Yep. Apparently it only been in um, the previous couple of years that they'd actually lined the walls with mace, with uh, hardy flex. So the, Shit! So that's Wait, all the internal walls. Internal or external? Internally. So, Fuck! So that's all this was, was just corrugated iron. And it was a tin shed and it was fucking cold. Yeah, I fucking <laughs> bet it was. <clears throat> so we got to... These poor Marines! We, we pulled up outside the Balcom Army Apprentice School post office at six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and... Most of us had a pair of shorts and t-shirt and thongs on because that's what it was like ah! in Sydney when we left and we got off and it was... It was fucking cold. It was minus six. Yeah, because it's Victoria. <laughs> it was minus six degrees. The wind was howling up this gully which is comes from Mount Martha, Port Phillip Bay, Mount Martha, up this gully to the Army Apprentice School and it was howling a gale and it was icy cold. It was freezing and the first thing we got was these sergeants screaming at us. And mm. if you've seen it on the movie where they screwed out, that's exactly what we got. Yep. Um, get over here, go over there, do this, go there. And we got just shoved everywhere and it was, and run go away right over there, go away over here, go over there. And eventually, <clears throat> all it was, I think, it's, it's just their method of, of introducing you to the army and yeah, sorting us out. It's conditioning. They're, they're, they're sending us all around the place to keep us busy while they're sorting out who and where we are. Correct. Us. Yeah. So then we got sorted into our our individual groups and whatnot, and we got filed off down to the queue store. And the first thing we got issued with was this great big calico bag, big white calico bag, and that was our mattress protector, they called it. Mm-hmm. That that would go over your mattress on your bed. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. And so we got that, and then we just walked down the line, and they'd say, how big are you? And you, you give them your size, and they'd just throw stuff at you. Yeah. So they got we got all our issue of uniforms and equipment and everything else, 
and even though we told him what size we were, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. You got what we thrown at you. Yeah. Um, and one guy had the hide to say, "Oh, this is too big. Yeah, I'll swap it later." Yeah. <laughs> so the idea was that you got the stuff. Yeah. Then you come back later on and swap it out to get the yeah. sizes you wanted. So we got all that, and then uh, we got shoveled all over the place again, and we, we had to get, you know, take for instance me, I'm seventy pound. Yeah, there's not a lot of you. Um, I could have cut that bag in half and still had plenty of room to dance inside it. Yeah, you know, and, and it was full. Yeah, <laughs> and you got to carry it. And I've that. got to carry it. <laughs> Good thing you were pretty a much, weightlifter. Pretty much dragged it. <laughs> <laughs> and. From the queue store to the barracks that we had was miles. It was it was a good um, kilometre. Fuck! You had to carry this thing yeah, that far. No, drag. We drag this thing. Drag this thing. Fucking hell! Yeah, we got shoveled all around the place and everything else. And part of the stuff we got issued was our mess kit. Still got no idea what the hell these things are yet. We don't know what's going on. We gets back to where we were staying and we've got this is your room. This is your room. We got shot toe. Put your stuff down, it's lunchtime. So we put all their stuff down. Grab your mess kit. And everyone's going, what the fuck? What the hell's a mess kit? (laughs) Guys are grabbing all sorts of things. (laughs) Turned out we had a knife, fork and spoon and a a bone handle or bone cup. It was was a, I don't know if it was plastic. I don't think it was plastic. It was a bone type thing, but it was a white, white bone colored bloody mug. So that was our mug. Because we had two mugs. We had a green plastic one and we had that white one. Um, so the white one was for mess there. We, that was very important. Okay. So we found out later on. Um, so we go down, then when we get down there, we line up. Right, make sure you wash your gear before you go in. And we're going, what the hell are they talking about? They used to have these troughs. There was a, a wash one and a rinse one. Yeah. And they were steaming hot water. Yeah. It was steaming hot. You couldn't put your hand in them. Your buddy peeled Sco- the, Yeah, peeled skin off your, Yeah. There's no... They no, still do that in the scouts. Yeah, no warnings. No nope. nothing. And then just, just, yeah, that's it. So we had to make sure we wash it and then make sure we rinse it. And then they got inspected. And they go, yep, okay, that's clean. That's yep. clean. Oh, all right, go in. And then you had to line up. And we're going, lining up, what's this all about? You know, Lined up, get walk past the Bay Marie, pick up a plate, which was the same bony type Bone stuff colour. as your cup. Yep. <laughs> Grab a plate out of the a plate dispenser and then fire past there. And nearly every meal you had about three choices, sometimes more, sometimes less, but three choices of stuff. And when I joined the army, I ate nothing. I didn't eat anything. Oh, I was, I just be fussy. As. You are a picky son of a bitch. No, I was just fussy. Didn't didn't like stuff and didn't. That was it. Okay, so the reason I didn't like a lot of food was when the old man was younger, things were really tough. So he he was brought up on awful. Yeah. That's that's what they could afford. Yuck. So he was brought up on awful, and of course he he got a taste for it. And of course, that's what we had to eat. If he mm. wanted awful, then we had to awful. eat it too. So, you know, lamb's fry and bacon and tripe and kidneys and you know, we we ate what he what he ate. Yeah, that's what right. he ate. Yeah. And, yeah. And <laughs> Otherwise, you go. That's hungry. why I got this buddy hate for bloody all sorts of food. But so when we get there, there was there was very little choice and peer pressure pushed you. You know, but he, you you had to start yeah, eating yeah. other food because of peer pressure. So I did. Well, then there's you get your pretty much cooked meals. I was gonna say, do you yeah. remember what your first meal was? Oh, I've got no idea. No, I haven't got a clue. Fair enough. There was so much happening, it didn't yeah, matter. Did, no, didn't sorry, register what was going yeah. on. Yep, fair call. Well, one of the guys that joined me, Johnny Rayner, he sat down at the table with us, and when he'd finished his meal, he went and got dessert. 
And he's come back and he's got a bowl full of jelly. When the army makes jelly, they used to have these big aluminium trays. Yeah. And they make it in there. And then when, when it's ready, they used to Scoop. cut it into cubes. Yep. Well, Johnny Rand's got half a dozen in there. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, watch this. <laughs> and he threw the fucking thing at the wall and it bounced back. It was better than the Super Bowl. <laughs> So that what was it. Everybody's up getting jelly. Ah, <laughs> we're fucking throwing not jelly to eat, everywhere. To toss at each other. <laughs> we're throwing fucking jelly everywhere. Jesus. And the fucking things bouncing everywhere. Never broke up, never made a mess, nothing. <laughs> and what did your sergeant have to say about this? There's nothing was said about it at all. Not a thing. Really? Yep, not a word. There you go. I'm, I for I'm sure. pretty sure they thought that was the biggest joke in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair call. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, eat this rubber. Yeah. So yeah. Well, then that afternoon we had to go back to our rooms, and one of the other things that had recently occurred was the end of, war, of Vietnam, <clears throat> and yep. um, soldiers were returning from Vietnam, and those that stayed in the defence forces, they sort of got a um, a, a thank you gift of getting swan postings yeah or and describe what a swan posting is a swan posting is an easy posting it's yeah you're, you're not you're having a break they're giving you easy yep. time or well, nearly all of the instructors at the army apprentice school at the time were all Vietnam vets they had all been yeah. sent there as a swan posting yeah, right even though they didn't like it because all they were was glorified babysitters they didn't really like it yeah but we got Jimmy Moyle and he was he was the funniest sergeant I'd ever come across the whole time was in the army. He was so funny. He used to give me hell all the time, uh, and it wasn't until two years later that I found out what he thought of me really. But the whole time I was there, he used to give me hell. So we've all turned up to our room. Um, so in in army terms, you have um, a section which is ten men. Then you have um, a platoon which is three sections. Yep. Then you have a company, which is three sections in a headquarter element. Um, in a company, we had one platoon, two platoon, and three platoon. And a headquarter element, which is staff, not apprentices. Yep. And um, because two year, first part of your apprenticeship is two years, you have first year apprentices and second year apprentices yep. all together. Yep. Because we've started early, we did... We didn't go to Kapuka and did basic training there. We did Kapuka, we did basic training Kapuka in the Army Apprentice School at Army Apprentice School. At the Army top. Apprentice School. So our first three weeks down there was basic training, and then basic training for us was the next two years. We finished. Yeah. We, we did basic training for the next two years. So the seniors weren't due back for three weeks. Yep. And that's when the school year would start. Yeah. Um, so we we had a run of the place. Three weeks. Three weeks until they got back. So Jimmy Moyle's come along and he's put us all in our... I was in one platoon and there was well, ten of us in that one room and then two seniors, but they weren't back yet. So we had a building that was just... It's a narrow room, but it's long and had double wooden doors, legend brace doors yep. at each end. One end went outside, the other end went into... Um, the showers and toilet block, and then on the other side of that was another building, yeah. another joint, another shared one. bathrooms. Yeah, okay. so it was shared bathrooms. In there, there was three shower roses and three toilets and a and a pisser phone, and that was to serve twenty four people. 
You can't do a lot at once. <laughs> Holy shit. So, Victoria's cold as shit. Yes. Everybody wants a shower at the same time. Yes. We had a limited hot water supply. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and we had 24 people. So, shower time, you go in and you turn all three showers on and you'd line up and you'd walk around the circle. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be, you'd be wet, soap up. Get wet, soap yeah. up. Rinse off, get out. <laughs> and, and you'd have 24 guys all, all standing there naked, Eww. walking around in circles. Fucking hell. <laughs> so you get through. After a, after a fair while, things sorted out a little bit in it, and we sort of like found our own times to do things. Yeah. We had some guys that would wait till later on in the night to shower and all sorts of things. But you weren't allowed to go to tea. In, Until you were showered. No, in your work gear. You had to, you had to yep. be changed to go to tea. So guys were coming home from work all day and getting changed in civilian clothes and then going to tea, then come home and have a shower have that a night. Shower, yep. There was guys who were not having a shower at all, which is another story altogether. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. So eventually it sorted out, but pretty much nearly every day there would be a group walking around in circles under the shower. <laughs> so yeah. the, shower. And so, the hot water would run out, but an hour later it would be heated up again. Yeah, it okay. Was, it was continuous, but it didn't heat it fast enough for it to, yeah. to flow through. So... It was only three shower heads. Yeah. There's Total. no walls, nothing. It was just a big open room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so it wasn't like three sets of shower there was heads. A, there was a bit of timber yep. running across the top, a galvanised pipe with yep. three T's in it, came down and just a round shower raise. <laughs> right. Okay. So it wasn't like one post had multiple shower nope. heads. It was nope. just nope. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pretty much, it was, imagine an a, a old-style pissophone which has got the trough at the wall. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> there was a trough against the wall where the water went to, flat floor, and three showers hanging down from the top. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Had a bench seat at the back. Oh, um, so you could sit down if yeah. you got tired from walking around No, no, that's where you're supposed to put your gear, but it all got wet in. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, so we've, we've turned up this building, and the steel lockers are already there, but we just had to arrange them. Yeah. So you had... One steel locker would be army stuff. The other one would be your civilian stuff. And that's how we started. Jimmy Moore's come in and he said, okay, watch this way for a perfect demonstration of laying out your locker. And he went from placing your locker in the right spot, placing your bed. Now, the bed was two steel frame ends, a steel sprung piece, and they had tapered round sockets that hold it together at the ends. There was nothing else. And a vinyl, a four-inch sponge rubber mattress with vinyl slit cover on it. And yeah, so you can find those yeah. at most like yep. big school camps and stuff. Yep. Yeah. They said, now this is your study desk. And it goes here. And this is your cleaning desk. And it goes here. This is your mat carpet individual. <laughs> it was pretty Matt. much a piece of carpet. It was There was no, no edging on it. It was a piece of Just carpet. Just a rough cut bit of carpet. And that goes there. And he said, right, so that's the layout of your room. Then he's grabbed those canvas bag and he's emptied everything on the floor in a big pile. And he's gone, this is your mattress cover. And he's put the mattress cover on the bed. Then he's gone, these are your sheets and your pillow. And he's made the bed. And then he's dropped. Now, it's, people laugh about it. He's dropped 20 cents on it and it bounced. And he said, that is how your bed will be. 
Holy shit. We had to do hospital folds on the thing. Yeah. There was no wrinkles, nothing. It had to be no. tight as a drum. And when you drop the coin on there, it'll bounce. That is your bed. Then he goes, kick. And you kick the other way. <laughs> so it was fucked up again. <laughs> Just kick the other <laughs> Then he's going over and he said, this is your army locker. This is how you lay. And he went through and he laid out all the stuff. All the pants hung the same way. All the shirts hung the same way. Long sleeves are out and folded in. Went through and he laid out the whole locker. And he goes, right, these are your towels. And we had all different size towels and different mm-hmm. This towel's useless. You can't wipe your ass with it. Put it on this shelf. This towel here, this is your bath towel. It's not going to dry anything. Put that on that shelf. <laughs> yeah. and, and described everything and he laid it out and he set it all up with everything in it. We were issued three magazines for an SLR rifle, a bayonet, and all that. Everything was laid out in his locker, and he said, this is exactly how it will be. Every locker will be exactly the same. This will be your civilian locker. And he's gone, where's your bag? (laughs) (laughs) And he's emptied it on the floor. (laughs) And he's gone, right, and he's laid it out in here. This is your civilian locker. You will all be different, but this is how it will be. I'm only interested in this one. These are your locks. I find any of these never locked or unlocked, you get charged. So everything, charged. Had, to, everything had to be... We, back then, at the time, it was up to 14 days CV and a $40 fine. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah, and we're only getting $65 a fortnight. Yeah, $40 fine? Yeah. That's choices. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's... Right, this is, this is how it'll be. Now... This is how you iron army greens. So he's pulled a buddy <laughs> an ironing, ironing board and an iron out <laughs> and a bottle of spray starch and he's ironed these things and he's ironed them perfect. And he goes, this is how your greens will be. And he's, don't worry, son, these aren't yours. These are mine. These are for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he brought his own uniform Don't in. worry, you still have to do it. <laughs> he, he brought his own stuff in and got ready for tomorrow. Know. Didn't do anything else. <laughs> and, Which um, is fair. I yeah, fully agree yeah, with that. Yeah. That's fine. Then, funny, he's gone, right, you've got till 5 o'clock this afternoon when it's tea to all have this done. You have till 5 o'clock tomorrow morning to have all the uniforms ironed. And then he's kicked the locker over. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. See, bam! No head starts. <laughs> and then he went. He was gone. Left it to it. He left. What time it. was that? That was um, oh, about two. Oh, so, so he had three hours. Yeah. We had to iron uniforms. There's twelve of us in there. We had till five a.m. We got there's twelve lights out at ten o'clock. Yeah. There's twelve of us in or ten of us. Ten, sorry, of, us ten of us in the room. We had four uniforms each. Had to be starch and ironed. We had boots, had to be spit polished. Fucking hell. And we had no boot polish, no iron, no starch, nothing. We had nothing. You had to go and get all this shit. We've gone, what the fuck? <laughs> Where do we go to get an iron? <laughs> Please tell me he what collected the iron and the ironing no. board and walked off with it. No, never had an ironing board. Whole time I was down the army principal, we never had an ironing board. I met Jimmy Boyle. Oh, no, 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 he, he took that with him. He yeah, took that yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This so, is how it will be. These are my uniforms. Goodbye. So we, um, one of the guys went up to the ASCO canteen. I don't know how, because we, it was, we didn't even know it was there, as far as I knew, but somebody knew it was there. They went up there and happened to, they had an iron, and he bought the iron. Yeah, right. They brought that back. So we had an iron, and while he was there, he got starch, which is just a box of powdered starch. Yep. We had no spray bottle. I had nothing. We just had this box of powder starch, an iron, that was a start, and no boot polish. 
So at the end of our buildings, or in the middle of the buildings, there was two little rooms. We thought they were storerooms. Mm-hmm. We called them dongers. They were yep. dongers. That's where the seniors lived. So each building had a senior living in one of those rooms. Yep. And they were all locked up. Well, it didn't take long breaking one of them. <laughs> this is a storeroom. There's got to be something in the storeroom. So we broke into this room, found out, oh, this is someone's this room. This is somebody's room. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, of course, we broke into four of these rooms. <laughs> and we weren't trying to steal anything. We were no. walking. We yeah. wanted, we, it's, got to, it's a storeroom. There's got to be something, be something here. here. But it turns out it wasn't. But we found Amway spray bottles. Fuck. Yeah, we found some Amway spray, spray bottles in one room. We found a big, big tin of boot polish, a great big tin of boot polish in another one. And some stick books, some bloody yeah, porn magazines yeah. in another one. So yeah. we spent, uh, spent ages Perfect. the porn magazines. <laughs> We've got three hours to get all of our uniforms done and stuff. Oh, fuck yeah, porn. So... We've got guys madly arranging their lockers. We've got guys madly ironing. We've got guys madly spit polishing. And guys madly and reading porn. Comes comes tea time, five o'clock. Oh, it's tea time. We've got to go to tea. Because every meal, you had roll call. Yeah, you had to do roll call, yeah. There was someone would make a call um, on parade. They'd scream out on parade, and you have to rush out there. You line up, they call the roll, yep. and then you march down to the mess for meals. So we go down and do that. So we had to go to meals. We couldn't couldn't miss them. Uh, so he goes down. He comes back, and there was guys down there that were shoveling the food in and racing to get back to the to get back up to the finish what they were doing. Yeah. And um, come ten o'clock. So you only had to go to mess. You only had to go to meals as a group. You could leave whenever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had to arrive on mass, but you could yep. leave. Could leave, leave when you're finished. So we've got guys madly rushing back trying to get through everything, and we didn't know about lights out. Till 10 o'clock, when the lights went out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there was, there was a, a, an army person was on duty in our, in our guard room, and they came through and they turned all the lights out. They just opened the door, stick it in, turn the light out. <laughs> lights out. Um, and then what we didn't realise after that, they come back and did rock, uh, bed check, make sure everyone make was, in, was bed. in bed. And he's come in, and of course, we're not in bed. We got candles. We got <laughs> candles in one of these rooms. We got candles set up, and we're madly on and spit polishing and arranging lockers. Like <laughs> candle light. And he said, "Lights out means candles too." <laughs> so this oh, guy's trying to hide in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this. It was. It was mad. You imagine ten guys have never done anything like that for themselves before. Not to mention. Never having spent any time together, but yeah, because we had guys from all over the country. Yeah, Queensland. In our this is your first day of this knowing is our first these day. people. We've never met them before in our lives, and we've got guys from Queensland, Victoria, Tasmania, uh, South Australia, Western Australia, all in one room. Yeah, having never yeah. met one another before. Never met them before. Not um, knowing each other from yep. a bar of soap. And to to top it off, we had fitter and turners. We had. Uh, plumbers, carpenters, we had so a you musician. Even, you weren't even a part of the same company. We weren't. Or a part we're, of the same... No, like, we're, we're, as far as the army is concerned, we were just a number. Wow. Uh, then when you went off to do, do your trade of a morning, um, so in the morning, you get Revali at uh, five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And Revali, it was, again, on parade, you got called out. There was no none of the sirens, bugles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just someone screamed out on parade, so you have to rush out to the main road, 
and line up. Well, you had like seconds to get there. There was no no minutes to get there. You had to be there as uh, fast as you could, and you got in the shit if you weren't. So guys are turning up out there with with their blankets off their bed. <laughs> <laughs> They've just jumped out of bed with their blankets <laughs> and run right, you know. Um, yeah, one guy turned up one day, nothing on at all. <laughs> <laughs> he just ran out there, nothing on. Um, and this would be rain, hail, shine, middle of winter. Yeah. Whatever. You turn up out there, so you all lined up out in the bloody thing, and they do the roll call again. And then you went back to you and did your morning ablutions and everything else, which meant making your bed, cleaning your heart, shit, shower, shave, shampoo, whatever else you had to do. And then at six o'clock, you had to line up again. You get on parade again, and you go back out, line up, go down the mess for breakfast. Yep. Then you come back, and you had till eight o'clock to do all the rest of the duties you had to do around. So there was ground maintenance and and all things. And we had a roster. There was all sorts of things you had to do. Things. There was a, a crushed granite footpath run between yeah. two buildings there. It was about six foot wide, and it ran all the way down. And it was that crushed granite, but real fine crushed granite. And we had to clean that every day because there'd be leaves on it. So it had to be spotless, had to be raked and clean, no yeah. leaves nothing on it. Every morning at 8 o'clock, the sergeant come through and inspect it. Well, every morning, same thing. The guys would get the rake and they'd just go down. I used to just walk and drag the rake and there'd be these straight lines up and down the thing. Yeah. Well, this morning I've got up and I've done a herringbone. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've got to rake it all in this herringbone. <laughs> Jimmy Ball comes along. Fucking smart ass, are we? <laughs> if you've got enough time to do that, you've got time to do Ooh, other work. Oh, <laughs> dickhead. See, you put you to, put yourself in the shit. Well, not really, not really. So that came back later on. That came back yep. to me later on. He, it turned out he thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> he just thought that was so fucking good. Very clever. That was his way of buddy having a go at me about it. So, yeah, yeah, buddy. Used to rake this thing with herringbone, and all of a sudden I was getting that job yeah, more that often. Was your duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, when you finished all that, doing all that stuff, and he's come and inspected all, then you'd line up and you'd march off to trade. And I think we used to start at eight fifteen or some bloody thing. And again, it'd be roll call. You'd get up there, line up, yep. roll call, and then you'll go into your your classrooms and in the building trades when you had a. A workshop room of your that was yours. You had a classroom that was yours, and you had um, another room for like we used to do geometry. Mm-hmm. Geometry was a big thing. Yep. Um, so we had a room to do geometry, and depending what you were doing on the day was which room you where you went to. You know, so you'd have your parade and call the roll and everything, and then where you go, and then you be at trade then till lunchtime, and then you march back down to barracks. Then you'd wait till uh, on parade. Then you go out for there, roll call again, make sure you're there, march down to the mess, do that, come back. Then at one o'clock, on parade again, you go out, line up, this time you line up in your trade lots, yep. and you march off in your trade lots. Um, and you, you used to, we used to march everywhere we went. In, yeah, of course. You couldn't go anywhere on your own, it was always marching yep. in groups. So we didn't start trade for another three weeks, but we, the, the roll calls and marching was a part of it. So when we when Jimmy Moyles arrived the next morning after his buddy working all night trying to get all the yeah. scene, he's gone through and he goes, Oh, you've got it all done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did, sir. <laughs> oh, so like we didn't have to have it all done. <laughs> he said, Oh fuck no, I didn't think you should get that done. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> Why have you got so many asshole male role models in your life? 
it's they're learning curves, and it's yeah. not that's the way it was. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that that was that's common. Funny. That was yeah. just common. Like like I was saying about apprentices these days, everybody they want they do year twelve and they want to go and start on the tools first day on their apprenticeship. Yeah. Back then, you were lucky if you seen the job site first day. Everybody send you off to buddy do something that that's right. totally irrelevant. That's right. The 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 deal was that you had to turn up. That's it. If once it was established that you turned up regularly, then they yeah. start worrying about you. That's right. So for anyone that doesn't know what the Army Apprentice School is about, they're about to find out. Yeah. And that's, it that's, was amazing. That's what I want to get into. I think we need to take... This is going to take a long time, just the first two years. Oh, absolutely. I fully, yeah. I, absolutely. I'm fully yeah. prepared. Yeah. If I'm honest, this is what I... when we When I first approached the idea of this... This is what I had envisioned we would talk about. Yeah. Was your time in the Army Apprentice School to when you left the Army. Yeah. And I think we need to take a, an episode to explain what the Army Apprentice School was. Yeah. Because oh, um, yeah. it doesn't well, exist anymore. Very, uh, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. And it's um, it, it's historical. Correct. The Army Apprentice School Association, Inc., is uh, a website you can look up. You, you can't necessarily look at everything because you've got to be a member to yep. look it up. Um, but you can look it up and you can see the history of the place and you can see photographs of the place. Now, yep. I remember uh, the last time I got to go into the guard room down there, I don't know where they'd been or how come they were out when they were, but there was four of the biggest photo albums I've ever seen in life. They would have been five foot square. Whoa! And... A four inch, a four inches thick, shit. And there was a pile of them. There's about four or five of them there. And I started to go through them, and they were the photographic history of the place. Yeah. So the history goes right back to when the, the Marines had left, and the Army Primary School started for juveniles, criminal juveniles. Yeah. They had a choice: they could go to the boys' home, or they could go and do an apprenticeship in the in the army. And that's how it started. Cool. Um, and apparently, not all of them were that. There was other people that, yep. that elected to go to the Army Apprentice School. So I think for the first 18 intakes, um, and we'll explain intakes later on, but in the first 18 intakes, most of them were um, criminals. Criminal, ju- juvenile criminals. Yeah. Uh, cool. To the point where they were still carried on their criminal activities. Oh, of course. At, at the Army Apprentice School. And one note of um, media importance was the discovery of um, a hidden cache of motorbikes and cars that were disassembled and buried under the Aussie rule field. <laughs> okay, that's going to be interesting to get into. Yep, that there, there was a syndicate of these guys that had been stealing motorbikes and cars for, for years. And burying and them under they the were disassembling pitch. them and then burying them underneath the Aussie rules field. <laughs> Righto. And the Aussie rules field is still there today. It's, it's, it's a monument down there now. It's actually protected. Can't yep. touch. Same as the gates. There's, the um, gates of the yeah. The gates of the Army Apprentice yeah. School are there, and their their heritage listed now can't be yeah. touched. Um, but beyond that's a new suburb that turned place in a suburb. But um, yeah, the place started off as a jail. Cool. Yeah. We'll get into that more, and yeah. we'll explain a little in bit more future. about it. Yeah. And don't be surprised if we could chuck them back to other stuff because I'm thinking. Of oh yeah, absolutely. Exactly and, right, and that's why we keep writing these things yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying this. Good, and Good. I. We've we've noticed numbers are dropping off. They're they they're curious to start with, and they're dropping off. But I'm sure I can assure you, if you stick with it, 
This is going to take off. It's going to it's going to become very interesting. The, People are going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's, those first couple of years yeah. are just sort of a baseline. The this hard, is where yeah, it's the, really hard, the hardest part was getting started because fronts where we're not experienced there. And secondly, it was a long time ago and it was difficult yeah. to remember everything. My point in what I discussed was in case people, it clicked with people. They, yeah. they remembered things about the place. And yep. Things like Kmart at Waratah used to be a rubbish yeah. tip. Um, yeah. And then a brickyard and stuff like that. Um, there's People will remember that. Yeah, we'll see how we go. I'm cool. enjoying it. Let's go. I'm good. I'm, I'm enjoying it too. Let's go watch the Knights win and have a beer. That's right. Beer time and football. Let's go. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>